Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Aideen O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Sarah Rickard, fashion stylist and creative consultant. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion, and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. Welcome to Smart Casual, the first episode with our brand new super stylish co-host, Sarah Rickard. This week, Aideen will be chatting with fashion blogger and influencer Kira O'Doherty about her new RTE show, The Fitting Room. But before that, given that we have an influencer on the show, we thought we'd talk a little bit about the women who've influenced each of us and our fashion choices over the years. But before that, our fashion highs of the week. Sarah. Well, I had an unusually glamorous week, I have to say. Um, firstly, our trip down to Gildare Village to get our new kind of podcast lineup picks taken was definitely a highlight for me. Um, it was really special and I love any opportunity and any excuse to get down to Kildare Village and have a mooch around. So yeah, I kind of felt like I was on holidays a little bit. Um, and then obviously getting to get dressed up into a fabulous outfit by Diane von Furstenberg and get our photos taken together was just really gorgeous and um, a lot of fun with you two gals. There were a few giggles. There, there were, were a few giggles. giggles. Mostly few mine. <laughs> a, few, a few tears. A few tears. They were unexpected, but anyway. Um, and then, yeah, so then I also had an amazing press trip, which I'm just still recovering from. Um, I was brought to Cliff at Lines by H&M uh, for a press preview of their Spring 19 Conscious Collection, which was absolutely amazing. They did not compromise on style because it's mm. eco-friendly and um, environmentally friendly. And they've it's so innovative as well. So everything was like about the the healing nature um, of the earth and kind of crystals and all uh, all the prints were kind of around kind of crystals and nature. Um, but also they use really innovative um, technology yeah. like um, Pinatex, mm. which is like they use the fibres from pineapple leaves um, to make kind of an alternative leather which is just phenomenal what they can do. And then there was things like blossom foam, not 100% what that was. But again, yeah, yeah, like a silk. Sounds nice. Yeah, so the collection was absolutely stunning. And then on a kind of more general um, level and also keeping with the kind of sustainability, um, Kate Hudson has launched her own eco-friendly line as well, which is really exciting. So she's using 100%. Really nice. Yeah, really, really nice. Yeah, like kind of, you know, that kind of Californian boho look that you'd kind of expect, but 100% recycled um, fabrics, which is really exciting. Yeah, worth a look. So, Aideen? Um, I have to say the Kildare Village shoot again was a highlight. This is my second one now, but it never gets old. Um, It's an escape from the real world, I think, and an escape from work. You just feel a lot lot more glamorous than you are. A lot of people write to me like, oh my God, you have the best life. I was like, this is like for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this does not happen all the time. Um, and my second high, which I actually don't think will be a high for a lot of people, but I personally loved it, was um, actress Lily James, who was in Mamma Mia 2 last summer. She had a 30th birthday party at the weekend and she wore a Orve Leger bandage dress. Mm. Uh, she I, I uh, brought no. it back from the noughties. Uh, 
I personally don't think I'd ever be able to pull them off and they definitely were like slaughtered as a dress. They were just everywhere during yeah, the 90s. I think I used but them I just, too many times. I love the way fashion loves to rehash decades mm. Mm. like it always comes back like you always think like you might be haunted by certain pieces and you might think they'll be staying in the past but they come around and haunt you again oh, and I true. just loved it I loved that it. dress just makes me feel claustrophobic it does it, absolutely I, I, it goes against I think everything that yes. my personal style is so it, it just I, I literally feel like I can breathe yeah, I have yeah. to say it as I, I live for that now. <laughs> I live for it. <laughs> what about you Marie well yeah I have to reiterate our Kildare Village photo shoot because it was so much fun and I, I was like some crazy giggling lunatic and that's all down to Sarah Rickard um, <laughs> blaming you entirely Um but yeah, I loved um, my very dramatic floral diamond Furstenberg skirt. Mm. Um, not something I would have kind of necessarily thought I would choose because I don't do florals very much, but actually loved it when I put it on. Very it's dramatic, very long. Felt like the queen it was on so her throne. You, it was just it could not have been better. And you just picked it up. We're like, oh yeah, that's that's, that's me. me. And there's the knit, and that's me. Yeah. It's like there's Marie yeah. in an outfit. <laughs> we looked like the royals. Yeah, we did. <laughs> We did. In some of those photos, we did look like the royals. Again, I look like <laughs> a the man, as per usual. <laughs> you were stunning stuff. But on another note, it was really lovely to see Patty Lapone accepting her Olivier Award in a Peter O'Brien navy chiffon dress. Stunning. I saw it. It was she was stunning, breathtaking. Yeah. And congratulations to him because yeah, I think yeah, you know he's he's really superb, and it was and just he lovely. Looked amazing. He looked as amazing well. too in his yeah. fabulous brooches. Yes, yes. Um, I, I met him. Brooches. I met him for the first time actually not that long ago, and oh. he said to me, um, "I collect." Books and brooches, and I thought that's kind of fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's really cute. Isn't he it? is kind yeah. of fantastic. Really, that really, sums him up. really good. <laughs> so this week's topic is the women who've most influenced our style. So for me, I think I don't really pay a huge amount of attention to celebrity style, but the most significant style decision I probably ever made was actually getting my hair cut short. Mm-hmm. Twenty years ago, oh I actually got my hair cut short in 1999. <gasps> I know. I know, I can't believe that's 20 years ago. Um, and it was totally celebrity driven. Because at the who time, knew? well, who knew? Yeah. At the time, Zoe Ball had this really cool, yeah. remember, she? I think she was doing Live and Kicking at the time. Yeah, she had this yeah. really cool, short, funky hair. And then Posh Spice, as she was known then, well, you know, looked pretty cool with her short hair when she first yeah, got a cut. Yeah. I, was, I was liking it at the time. And I literally went into the hairdressers and I was like, I want to be them. Mm-hmm. Not something. Well, I, I got mine cut in 1998. Mm. Look at you, ahead mm. of the curve. When the curve. sliding Gwyneth. doors came Loved out. It. Yes, but the only problem is that I was 16 and I looked more like the fourth member of Hanson <laughs> than the one who didn't get in because his hair wasn't blonde enough. But yeah, no, it's funny. I love from the very moment I got my hair cut short, it was it was like, this is me. You know, and you, you, yeah, kind of was Amazing. not to not to over egg yeah, it, but yeah. it was. I remember like walking into the hairdressers feeling, you know, slightly generic, you mm-hmm. know, just mm-hmm. me, whatever, and walking out and feeling like, oh my god, this is fabulous, this is me, Amazing. and just and it really anchored my look from then on. Yeah, it, it really it was it was my frame of reference, I guess. And it's funny because now it is women with short hair whose style I tend to admire and maybe emulate. Yeah. and it was interesting because we did a really beautiful um, image event with Avoca about two weeks ago um, and I was working at that and Vanessa Pratt was there mm-hmm. um, and I didn't actually know who she was at the time but she has, she has this gorgeous short little pixie crop and then instantly I was, I was like oh who's, who's, yeah, who's she and kind of looking at her Since at her style from head to toe club. so yeah mm, it's the, short, club. the short haired girls mm. club so again yeah it's women with short hair whose style I, I kind of tend to tend yes. to really love I know it's a weird one and you know so Alice Marr for instance like the first time yeah. I saw saw Alice Marr the artist I was in Instantly, like, oh, 
she's fabulous. Mm. Ooh. You know, how, how does she style her pixie how hair? How does she style yeah, her pixie yeah, hair? Yeah. And is it better than mine? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, she just wears, I guess, those sort of lovely, um, kind of slightly directional, a little bit masculine kind of pieces, which I guess I'm quite drawn to as well. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It's 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 women with short hair mm. who I tend to look to mm. and tend to be influenced by, so yeah. to speak. And so there's no one you can pinpoint whose actual fashion you loved in the 90s or, you know, who you thought was super cool, no? Probably probably not. You know, if there was one woman now whose who's style I would absolutely adore, and I, I know it's so obvious and predictable, but it is Victoria mm. Beckham. Yeah. yeah, it is Victoria Beckham. I, I just, I, I see love. a lot of her in you. Yes, thank you, yeah. thank you, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Thank you so much. Um, I love her. I do, and it's so, it's, it's a bit of a cliche now, isn't it? But, um, but I do. I, I love, I love everything she wears now these days. Although she would wear far more dresses than, than I would. I'm less into dresses and much more into separates because mm. I think it's just easier to make your look fresh and interesting. Yeah, it's kind of unexpected that you're, you're so drawn to her, though. Do you think? Yeah, I don't know. But I, I like I totally can see it. I can mm. see why. But you're you're so into her look. I'm so is, yeah. into her look. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I think I, I I don't know. I think it's so sophisticated, but but it's cool. And I Perfect. think also it looks easy to wear. And yes. it, I mean, which is everything that she wasn't like 15, totally. 20 years yeah. ago. Like I would have looked at her in the old bandage dresses, you know, and and just felt pained for her, like because it all Queasy. just looked it all just looked so uncomfortable yeah. and such yeah. hard work, you know, so the, the giant heels, the tributes, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. tribute heels all the time. And yeah. now that's what I love about her. It all looks effortless. Mm. Like she looks like a woman on the move mm. all the time. And 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 she's you know. Know, wearing those kind of effortless pieces, nothing's too tight, everything's mm. a little bit loose. She's doing great. Yeah, yeah she's, she's doing she's, great. She's, she's yeah. doing fabulous. Yeah. So, what about you? Um, for me, it was definitely my second eldest sister growing up. She's eight years older than me. So, as you can imagine, when I was, you know, 10, looking at her at 18 and just thinking she was the coolest thing ever. So, she would have been going to the pod in the 90s, went back when it was cool. Mm. And I remember she had this. Uh, unbelievable full suede outfit. Full suede? <laughs> yes. So wow. it was like a Baker Boy hat with like a sleeveless coat, like oh, wow. floor length, and then it opened to a pair of hot pants. I swear to God. Wow. Like yes. Christina Aguilera. Have you got, yeah, have you got no, pictures? No, it was pre-Christina Aguilera. It's not, we're not In thinking dirty. Her. We're thinking more like kind of 90s supermodel-y, you know, wow. like the Helena Christensen's yeah. or the that kind of vibe. You know, she would have worn that like brown lipstick and she was kind of tan. All, all the tones were all right. All the tones yeah. were right, yeah. But she always spent money on clothes. Mm. Um, her boyfriend at the time, who's been her husband, they've been together for over 20 years, which Aww. is quite amazing. Um, he worked in Radar. So there was always like the G-Star denims and the Stussy and that kind of stuff. So I think all of my influences have always been a bit older, you know, yeah. it, because of that. Um, so she would have worn... Like she had this most amazing Agnes B. Polonek, you know, when she was like 18. You wow. know, that wasn't cheap. No, you no know? it wasn't. And so in Dublin at the time, exactly, you know, we yeah. weren't all wearing. No, those kind definitely of not. And it had like a mohair Polonek um, and mohair cuffs. And then it was just a beautiful knit. Just, and she had amazing Jean-Paul Gaultier turn up jeans. And she had like the red or dead platforms. Do you remember those big red She was so really cool. cool. Yeah, but she's even to this day, she is so understated and but fabulous. Like yeah. all her clothes are beautiful like she'd wear the golden goose with the frame jeans and the Vince or you know yeah. but it's all she just looks really stylish mm, like even yeah. on her hen she wore a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans and a pair of loafers you know back in the early yeah. 2000s and she looked deadly fabulous. yeah so she just she just has a look she's great and she'll be mortified that I'm saying <laughs> this um, what's her name 
Aoife. Aoife. Aoife, yes. Aoife. We want to see pictures. Yeah, there's plenty of pictures, but she, yeah, she was definitely the business. And then, but I, I suppose, and it's funny because after our Kildare Village shoot, she was on to me going, oh my God, that top you're wearing is amazing. And I swear to God, she was down the next day. And bought it. And she bought it. Oh, so, fantastic. You know, she, well, yeah, I suppose it, it all comes around. It all comes in, around in some mutually way. influencing each yeah, other now. Yeah, but um, I suppose I was a little bit more eclectic maybe mm. with my style than she was like I definitely took inspiration from a lot of different places so definitely um, then in kind of later in the 90s it would have been Gwen Stefani yeah. massive cool. like early Sorry. day no doubt you know that kind of ska punk yeah. kind of look very cool Sarah. but she was wearing you know she was wearing no because I didn't translate it very cool <laughs> so I still had the mousy brown hair the crop looked like Hanson and uh, I was wearing like bindies and you know you gel your hair back into rolls yes. and then yeah, spike yeah, yeah, it yeah. yeah like it wasn't good and the the halter neck belly tops with, yes. the, with the little white belly peeking and the hipster jeans yes. yeah no it was yeah. it wasn't a great great era but they're but, back now oh <laughs> god no, Sarah's thinking not for me. <laughs> um, and then like people like Patricia Arquette in True Romance, who I couldn't uh, really emulate her style, but I definitely thought her, her style in that film was so cool. They're pretty cool references, though, because as I said, at, she at was that, older. Yeah, they were Eve. They were probably Eve's references, references, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I was just kind of following because you know, certainly when I was in London at that age, kind of in the early noughties, like you know, it was all Kate Moss and Sienna Miller. Yeah, which yeah, was yeah, yeah. very not for me personally. Yeah. Like the, that that vibe was never my vibe. But that's where that's they were the the, the big yeah. references for for women, and but, they were definitely there, and they were probably more commercial. Yeah. Than, but I, I I definitely admired mm. more what Gwen Stefani was doing. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow in Great Expectations. Mm. I don't know if you remember the film yeah. from 1998 with Ethan Hawke. And it was yeah. all, yeah. there was like a green theme going through the whole movie. And her her outfits were made by Donna Karen. And it was just, it just epitomised 90 style. So it was the slip skirt, the cardigan. Like, na- you yeah. know, the yeah, style exactly. that's around What's now. Totally cyclical. Yeah. yeah, so that all those things would have... Now, as I said, I didn't necessarily wear them and it was probably much easier to dress like Kate Moss. Like, I definitely... I went to a lot of gigs in the early noughties, so I was wearing my cons and my skinny jeans and my banties and, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I suppose I wanted to explore more, you know, yeah. What, yeah. what else was going on. So Yeah, see, well... You're talking about celebrity there and stuff. And I actually thought this was a really hard topic to think of for me because I think I haven't been influenced by anyone. I kind of more admire women's style, Mm. certain women, certain celebrities and stuff like that because I think growing up, and I've talked about this before in the podcast, kind of more my relationship with body image and fashion. And let's say I kind of would have used fashion as a crutch a lot of the time Mm. to kind of hide insecurities. But I suppose growing up, I didn't really have anyone to look at to be like, well, they have like a body shape like me. Mm. So I couldn't really look to anyone being like I want to dress like them yeah um, let's say kind of the only kind of person I can think of is like Kelly Brook mm. and I didn't really I suppose she would have been a lot older than me, than me anyway so I wouldn't have really looked at her being like I want to dress like yeah, her you yeah, know yeah, yeah. so I think that was probably a tough one for me um, but then I think I'm kind of more influenced by like silhouettes in certain years and stuff so like the 1950s mm. kind of since Jim Ways that was kind of more would have suited my figure like the 80s were a big influence on me like big shoulders anything voluminous or whatever but um, so I think in terms of how I was influenced, I, my mother, 100%, and I said this last week, but she had a big influence on me. I don't know, because I just trust her opinion so much, but she definitely... We'll have to meet Mary at We'll some have point. to meet Mary, yeah. She really, really influenced the look that I had today. <laughs> I don't know what you think about this look now today. She definitely gave me a, <laughs> a dirty eye, but uh, I think <laughs> definitely growing up, like as you were saying, your older sister, like my mm. two older cousins, 
like Emer and Orla, um, they just look so cool at growing up and I just wanted to look like them. They had like, it was this is the time like Onion's tracksuits and stuff. But I was mm. like, they're so cool. Mm. I was like, this is unreal. Yeah, yeah. And like people like Hilary Duff, like when she was in Lizzie McGuire, like that was you're a big so influence young. on me. You're so young, yeah. And the <laughs> that Alston means nothing twins, to me. <laughs> yeah, and like the Alston twins um, from like even two of a kind up until New York Minute. Wow. Up until now, like they were always. Well, they are amazing. They're yeah. pretty amazing. And the Olsen twins yeah. now are incredible. Yeah, incredible. But even back then, if you ask any of some people my age, they will all say the Olsen twins. They yeah, were just so actually, cool. But they kind of influenced me a little bit as well. But they were a good bit younger yeah. than me. But whatever way they were, st- I think they were styled a good bit they older mm-hmm. than they were. So they would have been having the, the hair and twists yeah. and the little clips in their hair and the the cardigans and uh, the little skirts. Like yeah. it was kind of cluelessy. And like the bags. Yeah, it was very yeah, clueless. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And I remember in New York, I remember they looked so cool. They had like the berets and they had oh, these like yeah. little tie scarves. Yeah, and I was like, oh my God, they're so cool. I want to be that like that when I'm in college. Yeah. And? I didn't turn out like that in college. <laughs> <laughs> I looked oh, a lot co- different. The college years, they were not good yeah. to anyone. So I guess you're kind of talking about like style and maybe style crushes rather style than... Style crushes than more than influences. Influences, Because yeah. I think I had to cultivate my style through my body shape yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was a lot of it yeah. so I could I would look at certain people and be mm-hmm. like well I kind of like where they're going with that but mm-hmm. it's not going to work for me but sure. to try and make it work for myself so yeah. I think that was yeah. a lot of how yeah. I was influenced because yeah. I think I have like a couple of um, quite serious style crushes as well and they wouldn't influence at all how I dress because just my look would be completely different from them but I, I kind of can't get enough of their look you know yeah, and totally. one of those women would be my sister-in-law Deirdre Whelan who is presenter of Home of the Year in RTE. Yeah, she's fabulous, yeah. She's so fabulous. Mm. And I met her for the first time. I mean, her and my brother have been married for about 25 years, I think now. So I met her when I was a teen. Geeky, kind of no money, no clothes, kind of, you know. Fifth member of <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we see, we would have been friends back then, yeah, Sarah. Totally. Even back then we would have been friends. Um, but she was like the most stylish woman I'd ever met in real life wow. when I met her. So she would have been probably like early, very early 20s, mm. you know, early 20s, yeah. And she was just so incredibly stylish. And she's someone who's, who, who I, I can never recognise any of her pieces as in, you know, I would never know the brand, I never know yeah. the label. Yeah. It's also understated yeah. and everything she wears just looks like it was made for her. Amazing. Like it was, you know, it's just perfect That's on her. That's true style. She has mm. true style and fabrics, you mm. know, she, nothing but beautiful fabrics, you know, and um, she's just someone that every time I look at her, I think she just gets it right. Like she gets it right for the weather. She gets it right for the occasion. She gets it right for her. Oh, yeah. Easy. Seriously, it was traumatized, like growing, you know, <laughs> growing up like this, like fabulous woman on my doorstep, like who I, you know, <laughs> was never going to be able to emulate. Yeah. But I would have a serious style crush on, on her style now. I think mm. she's she's fabulous. And our former co-host, Neva Donahue. Yes. Yeah. Cannot get enough of who her. Can, I mean, I met her for lunch last week. And she was wearing a pistachio green blazer mm-hmm. with quite a dark sort of brown leopard print turtleneck underneath. Unreal. Never in any of my fashion copy have I said yes. a pistachio blazer <laughs> with leopard print. Yes. It looked amazing. Yeah, totally. It looked amazing. And I love, I just love looking at how Neve pieces things yeah, together. Totally. Yeah. I would never get away with what she gets away with. No. But it just works so well for her. There's I just think some people. She's got something. Yeah, there's just some people who can do that. Like one for me would definitely Pandora Sykes. Mm. I think she can do that. Like I look at her her Instagram page and I'm like, how did you put mm. those things together? Because mm. they shouldn't work. A, yeah, an eye for colour and an eye for texture. For texture and you prints. Know, and she's great at mixing yeah. prints and I love that. I yeah. think that's something that I'm definitely influenced by. I try and mix as many prints as I can. Yeah. I think it's such a great thing to do if you can do it right. Yeah. But hers is just so effortless. Like it's just just like a gift. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah, just you're right. It. 
Yeah. yeah, well, definitely Pandora back when she was doing her column for the, the Sunday Times. Yeah, yeah. like she would be wearing the most ridiculous things, and you just like, oh, I want yeah. it. You want you it, yeah. but like she's so beautiful. She's so yeah. beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's, she's got the stature off. and the presence mm. yeah, as well. Yeah. I think, and actually, this yeah. is one thing about my sister-in-law as well, dear. Like she, she's tall, and she has a she has a certain presence about mm. her. I always think when it's when I'm around her, like it's poison yeah. and, and confidence yeah. and absolute comfort in who you are. Well, that's totally where I was kind of what I was thinking with my influences it, it isn't necessarily about what these girls wear it's just mm. that they're either so badass or they just own yeah. whatever yeah. exactly you know yeah. like they put on and I I just absolutely mm. love that and mm. I just think and maybe it's, it's similar for me with with short-haired women is that they just own that look yeah and you know, it's not, you know, not everyone can pull it off, like, but, no. and especially the older you get, like, yeah. and it's just that they have absolute unapologetic ownership yeah. of that, like, very distinctive sort of look. And I really, I think I'm really drawn to that. Like, yeah. women like Angela Scanlon as well, for me, I always see, mm. she just puts on these amazing things that I'm like, I could never put together, but they're just yeah. so class. And same with, like, Laura Whitmore's I'd look to her a lot. She kind of has that rocky kind of style, yeah. but again, mixes things that... I wouldn't necessarily make, yeah, yeah. but they just seem to work for her. And again, I think it's it's the presence that they have. I think that's a lot of it too. Mm-hmm. I think whatever it is, they're going to put on. They're going to look great because mm. they have that confidence. Mm. Yep, hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And a lot of the kind of Scandinavian bloggers as well would be. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, street influence. style is an, an interesting one. I, I spend a lot of time looking at it, obviously, for the purposes of, of my job. Like, but I'm never influenced by it. Mm. But I love looking at it. Yes, exactly. It's visually, aesthetically very pleasing to see. Very pleasing yeah. and very um, kind of engaging, yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah. there's so much going on there. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Like, you know, amazing. Girls, yeah. on that note, I think we'll wind it up. And um, looking forward to uh, your chat with uh, Kira coming yeah, up yeah, next. Really looking forward to it. Very excited. If, like us, you're dying to indulge this Easter, look no further than Kildare Village. Irish artisan chocolate company Coco Atelier has set up shop just in time for the long weekend. Painted Easter eggs, artisan mini eggs and so much more. That's where you'll find us over the Easter break. So this week, I'm delighted to be chatting with the uber-talented and the all-around lovely Kira O'Doherty. Kira is the brains behind the very successful fashion, travel and lifestyle blog KiraO'Doherty.com. Not only this, she's a TV presenter, stylist, writer. The list is actually endless. And we're so, so happy to have her on the show this week. So welcome to Smart Casual, Kira. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction. Girl. I, I treat people well. Oh. <laughs> As I mentioned, you have... A lot of things in your bag of tricks. Um, but you started out as a fashion blogger. So how did KiraOdoherty.com come about? Oh, well, that is a tale. Um, I'm kind of like a dinosaur in blogging in Ireland, I think. And I started my blog in 2010. So it's almost 10 years ago, which is crazy. And I think blogging is so fast paced that even two or three years in the game is quite a long time. So in many ways, I feel like a granny. Um, I started when I was quite young, but I was studying in Galway. Um, I was studying uh, English and... And I just started it as a hobby. It wasn't called KiraDarty.com. I wasn't that up on SEO. So it was called Wild Child Stories, which I now realise kind of sounds like a porn site. But <laughs> it very much wasn't. It was. I love it. Maybe it would have gotten more hits. Who knows? But it was basically just like an online diary. I mean, blogging as an industry did not exist in Ireland. Um, you had bloggers in the US and in the UK that I was following and that I was just absolutely loving. Mm-hmm. But it was quite 
underground. I don't want to say it was a subculture, but it definitely wasn't something that everybody was doing because to blog, you actually had to have a little bit of knowledge of like how to get one up and running and a very, very small amount of coding. And, you know, even WordPress um, only started to come around a little bit around that time. In the beginning, it was Blogspot. People were blogging on LiveJournal. It was it was so, so different. Yeah, it like wasn't social, mainstream. It wasn't, it wasn't mainstream. mainstream. I mean, obviously there was Facebook. There was, I think Twitter was like 2007 it started. But this was pre-Instagram, if you can imagine. I know. A time before it's a weird that. World. Yeah, so I started it as a hobby and it was just, I used to write about music and fashion and like lots of different things. And I didn't really expect anybody to read it. It was just a personal hobby. I was surrounded by so many creative people in Galway, so many musicians and artists and all this kind of stuff. And I do not have a singing voice or any kind of creativity <laughs> in that sense but I loved um, I just loved I suppose like magazines but the yeah. idea of like the, the more digital side of it so I started it and then it just kind of started to very slowly started to grow yeah. I mean in the beginning it was probably just me reading it for quite a long time but um, why fashion in particular? Um, I mean it's something I've always been interested in uh, honestly as long as I can remember um, I've always been like my my sense of style now is far more polished and curated and trend driven because of that being kind of mm-hmm. what I do. But I remember even being younger, I always used to just I loved expressing myself through my clothes and I loved having things that were a little bit different and I used to like thrift and try to make things and um, I remember I've been on sites like eBay since 2007 so when I was like I think 17 or 18 I used to like buy and sell on eBay and find like weird vintage things when you know in Galway I mean we still don't have an H- a H&M which I'm not okay about know, yeah. don't have H&M don't have a Zara yeah. um, so growing up in Galway there weren't that many you know fashion shops that I could shop on and shops were very different pennies was not what it is now so fashion even in consumption has changed so much so I always loved just not being on trend because I was never trendy back then but just really expressing myself so some of my early blog looks you can go back you can go back through the archives <laughs> I encourage people to do it they're a bit weird and wonderful but I I loved them I remember even being super young in the shop with my mum and like asking her you know being really conscious about like oh I'd really love to wear this and like not like we were in like Duns or something yeah. like that I just remember loving getting dressed up yeah. and playing characters. I was the same. I think I, I remember being in Duns with my mother and I just like thought the whole thing was amazing. Yeah. Was like Duns is class. But um, diversity and inclusiveness are obviously two very big topics in fashion at the minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely want to touch on your new show, The Fishing Room, which will air on the 15th yes, on RT2. It is right? Monday the 15th. It is out at 9.30. It's up against Game of Thrones. Oh my you God. Believe? Uh, which is, do you know what? It's really exciting that... Like it's been given a very, very good slot, which is fantastic. Mm. And I think the fact that it's been put in the program against Game of Thrones is a good sign that it is it, it is a very, very good show. But definitely want to encourage as many people to tune in as possible. Oh, definitely. Slightly different demographic than Game of Thrones viewers. But um, yeah. I don't like Game of Thrones anyway, so I'm going to be watching your show. I like it, <laughs> but I'll be watching mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, how important is it to actually have a show like that on mainstream television? Oh, my gosh. I mean... It is massively important. And I do have to say, I think it is such a huge step in the right direction for RTE in terms of putting something together that is so diverse and so inclusive. You have shows like First Dates that really kind of started, uh, how I I think so anyway, in terms of um, in Irish broadcasting, showing a really, really diverse range of people in Ireland because that's what we are made up of is a really diverse range of people from all walks of life, all races, um, you know, gender non-conforming, different, different, um, you know, physical abilities all that kind of stuff so the show The Fitting Room it is about fashion but I do feel like it's so much more than that it's really kind of showcasing that um, we as a, a society we're made of up of so many different types of people but in a sense like the the people that we have on the show the contributors they're called 
uh, some of the most incredible people that you'll meet and all different types of abilities. It's not necessarily a show where, um, like, for some of the people that are in the show, they have, like, might have very severe physical needs, mm-hmm. but they are the, just the most incredible, accomplished, really confident um really people that you'll ever meet and what what they all have in common I suppose the premise of the show is that each of these 18 contributors they all have a problem with clothing either that yeah. they are not catered to in the industry they're just completely omitted um, and that their size range is just not available or that even the physicality of shopping they are just kept out by shops not being inclusive to their needs mm-hmm. even things as simple as like shops having wheelchair ramps you actually yeah. would be really really surprised by the lack of of accessibility so in the show but we we it, there's a really really amazing mix of people there and they're all so so incredible in their own way but what I love about the show is it's really celebratory and it's not sensationalised I mean these people are not to be pitied in any way they're champions they're warriors they know what they want like one person that springs to mind the most amazing um, girl Alana she's in college she is a total fashion girl She's a wheelchair user and um, she her story is very, very, very interesting. She's an incredible person. But she has such a knowledge of fashion. She knows what she wants. She loves designers. She loves like Balmain. She loves really fierce fashion. But her shopping experience is so limited because of her physical needs and just the fact that it's she's just not catered to at all. Yeah. So it was really amazing to give her um, the experience that we did. And obviously we're not going to re- reveal anything. You know, you're going to have to yeah. tune in to see. But it's just re- it was just so much fun to be part of it. It was incredible. Yeah because we don't think about that when we shop. No, we, we do don't not. think about how it's so easy for us and mm-hmm. we don't see how difficult it is for other people, but like fashion is for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think it's great to see that how we've moved on even from the days of after rails and mm-hmm. like I I haven't seen a show yet like the fitting room. And yeah. to actually have it on RT on one of the main channels is just It's incredible. Amazing. I think that's what's so incredible about it is that it's a huge step for them. And, you know, the the mix of people that we have in the show and even the way that the show is done, it's very, in a way, bold, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love. And, uh, you know, from my experience working on it, I'm so, so incredibly proud to, to be part of it. Mm-hmm. But even just as you said, it was massively eye-opening for me. And I always would have thought of myself as like quite an open-minded person and someone who's quite aware. I think we all... We all you know, try to be very aware. Uh, But oh my gosh, it was only when, you know, obviously my role in the show is as a stylist. It's myself and the two designers and we are creating these outfits for them. It's a little bit like Project Runway, but a little bit different. It's a a mix of a lot of things. But when I was actually walking the length and breadth of the high street and scouring online to try to find things from my specific contributors, the actual frustration and disappointment and real kind of, it really hits you in the face that if I'm having this much trouble, how what is their experience like? Because, they, you know, in a way, um, a lot of these people have given up on on fashion and personal style because they just are so omitted from the conversation. So it's about allowing them to participate and discover who they are. And some of them already have a real sense of what they want. And then some of them are going, do you know what? Like, it's impossible for me to even figure out what I want and, you know, what stylistically I want to do because I can't. I can't find what I want anywhere, you know. So I think there are a lot of brands that are making steps in the right direction by including, even in their campaign imagery, including different yeah. types of ASOS people. ASOS in particular ASOS have done are doing some really good stuff. And, and, which is fantastic. And obviously ASOS is online. So in, in terms of accessibility, that is that is fantastic. But you'll also see some brands that will include, let's say, um, different, even just different cultural backgrounds, different body types, different um, different physical abilities. They'll include them in their marketing material, but they won't actually... actually 
design design or included in the shops or actually have an uh, in terms of accessibility so in a way I think that there is and I've this is something that I do find really interesting that whole we have a real woke culture in in globally at the moment and a lot of companies are understanding that that's a really clever marketing tactic which actually putting into practice putting into practice is massively important so that's something that like even myself as a stylist a lot of the work that I do is 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 on my own pages where I'm kind of styling myself but for sure for any other projects that I'm working on in the future where it is more of a commercial thing or something where I'm sourcing models I'm really trying to be more aware and I would call that out to any casting directors any stylists anybody working in, in, in anything like that where they can make a choice just to be aware that the more you include different types of people it's just better overall overall because again um, you know people um, someone who might have a particular need they also have massive spending power just like everybody else so it just makes so much sense in so many ways to be inclusive um, and I think that we're all you know there are steps being taken but for sure I think something like there the has to be more has to be done yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll probably highlight it a little bit more but also it's an incredibly fun show so yeah. it's it's really done in a celebratory way um, so yeah. yeah but fashion should be celebrated absolutely yeah, fashion is fun and that's my favourite thing about yeah. it it's all about self-expression I think that if you know if at least one person doesn't hate what I'm wearing then I'm doing it wrong you yeah. know I think it should be thought-provoking it should be yeah. fun it doesn't have to be like and that's just how I feel obviously I'm someone who like we just said wouldn't have the same restrictions that somebody of a different um, let's say uh, body type might so I'm able to play with it so much whereas for someone whose size isn't catered to on the high street they can't even get to that point and speaking of style and let's say you are a stylist you work as a stylist how would you describe your personal style? Oh I mean it's it's such a cop out to say that it's like really I suppose eclectic but for me my personal style is definitely dictated by the work that I do so I I would be I'm more trend conscious because of my job as kind of a blogger and and a, and a fashion content creator but what I always gravitate to is um I love being comfortable and and I don't mean like I can feel comfortable in a pair of like six six inch heels but I love feeling comfortable in my own skin so whether it's trying a new trend or doing something crazy or doing something really safe I know that feeling when you're wearing something that either you just when you feel really comfortable in it it just it's so important. Oh my God, it's so, so important. important. Um, I'm particularly drawn to, as you're wearing yourself today, jumpsuits. I love trousers. I love masculine tailoring. Um, even in terms of my body type, like I'm kind of like, I don't have very much curves or anything like that. I do love um, masculine tailoring and playing with those kind of shapes. Um, but I am someone who tries a lot of different things. So I'm a bit of a chameleon mm-hmm. and a bit of a, you know, trend I don't want to say can I just say trend whore I don't know if I can say that on this podcast but you know what I mean I will try out new trends because it is part of the work that I do and I'll always try and make them I suppose accessible or show people how they can inject them without going you don't have to go head to toe fringe just because it's in you know because and has anyone in particular influenced your style um, I think nowadays I'm massively inspired by fellow creators. I follow a lot of different people. I love, um, you know, European um, style bloggers and just from all over the world. I think it's really interesting seeing how people do street style differently. I think in Ireland we love dressing up, which I love. We I do. absolutely love it. Um, but it's amazing to see like, you know, I love like the New York street style vibe, which is so kind of grungy and just really reflects who they are as a people. And then I love like looking at, you know, Parisian street style and, uh, street style in general is amazing because you're looking at what people are wearing day to day. 
And then I also love, I mean, back in the day, I would have been massively inspired by uh, the likes of Alexa Chung. I think she yeah. just was, she was one mine of the, too. she was just one of the first. She was amazing. She just really did her own thing. And she has really paved the way for so many, so many people like her stylistically. I just loved how she would wear like grungy cardigans with like a little mini skirt and then wear like a big pair of boots. Like there was always a real mix of femininity and kind of boyishness. But effortless as but well. E- oh, effortless. effortless. And I mean, look, if I looked like her. I, mean, I know, I'm the same. And I always like, for bangs too. You know, oh, they're t- bangs. And like, I abs- a fringe is my, like, I love a fringe so, so, so much. And I've tried it so many times without fully committing. And I feel like I still need to properly yeah. do it because it just looks so good. It's, they're hard going. But, oh, they're hard going. Um, going back to the blogging, you were one of the first Irish fashion bloggers on the scene because I remember following you when I was in Galway I say it was around 2011, 2012 wow. and you actually influenced me because you bought a pair of red they were red leather pants from I think from Sheen side and I remember the day seeing them and I was like oh, I have to buy these and I bought them at the library so like that is no that's going way. back now so like I would have were they of, like burgundy they were burgundy and yeah. did I wear them with like a big furry gilet mm-hmm. and oh my god yeah. I remember the outfit yeah and I I remember buying them but like so that was back in let's say 2012 so how has the blogging scene change in Ireland. Oh wow! I mean, that is one very interesting thing about being about doing uh, working in this industry for that long is that you really get to see how it's evolved and changed, and it has. It's changed massively. It's I I, I think it was twenty sixteen that the idea of a of a blogger exploded in terms of brands understanding like again starting in a, the likes of like 2010 I only really started working through my blog in maybe 2014 uh, I, I remember the first time someone emailed me being like we'd like to send you a dress and I was like oh my god <laughs> I thought I'd won an Oscar I was like this is, is this something that happens does this happen to people yeah. you know and like obviously now it's I look at it in a very different way that you're like of course it's a marketing tactic for a brand you're not they're not giving you it to, to you as a gift like it's really you know well not it is a gift but like at the same time it's there for a reason you know yeah. people I think that blogging just completely democratised um, how fashion is consumed and like I love magazines I always will and I love online print magazines all that kind of stuff but um, it was really interesting to see how blogging caused that massive shift in how we consume fashion and uh, in a way it's great and for sure I've watched it change massively the biggest the biggest change is obviously how much of a commodity it is now and how commercial it is and how you know blogging is this massive uh, drive for sales so brands understand and even I've been working with an affiliate network probably since about 2013, 2014. They're one of the big American ones called Reward Style. And it's been very interesting to watch them grow because the person who started it, she's from Dallas, very, 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 very intelligent woman. She understood that um, these digital bloggers, and again, blogging has been a huge industry in America for a good few years ahead of uh, ahead of um, what where it is in Europe and the rest of the world. She really understood that her links were driving so many sales and she then just created the software where you could track it and there are different types of affiliate um, companies all over the world but she made the first one really directed towards fashion content creators and she made uh, American bloggers, she made some of them millionaires. Yeah. I mean she really did because they were and just like you said we do feel influenced by people who are so similar to mm-hmm. us so if you're like I got these jeans and I, I love featuring affordable fashion as well so you're going you know uh, this is me wearing it this is I'm not a model and you know you are seeing obviously blogging is getting more and more stylized and more curated and more glossy and more professional and produced and people have professional this and professional that whereas back in the day it was us taking photos of ourselves in our rooms there was you know but how do you stand out now in the blogging world because obviously it's such a big industry and it's it is saturated yeah 
I mean, I get that question a lot. Um, I do get a lot of um, new bloggers reaching out to me and I actually have created a lot of different um, video content and blog content in a way trying to help. And especially back in the day, people didn't really even understand how bloggers got paid. And I remember doing a video back in 2016 about how it actually worked. And I tried to like demystify it a little bit. But how someone stands out is a very, very difficult question to answer. I think nowadays you could say that it's easier to... To, for someone who wants to do it as a job, I think it's probably easier now in the sense that there are far more resources available. Um, so many free resources. Um, there's so much knowledge out there. Like I remember with my Blogspot website spending hours and hours like trying to code little badges and links and things like that. Like my limited HTML <laughs> skills, still very limited. But uh, nowadays, you know, you can, there are professionals dedicated to getting your website up and running at the click of a button and all this stuff. So you can get all of the framework and the photographer and you can hire this and you can hire that. But what you can't pay for is standing out. So you can, you know, you if especially if you have the money to invest in it, which some people do, some people come into blogging with a business plan and they go, I'm going to put X amount of money into this. This was definitely not my experience back in 2010. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and more power to those girls. They look at it and they see the lifestyle and they go, I want to do this. And they put everything into it. But actually standing out is a very, very difficult question to answer. That is all down to your value and what you're bringing to your reader or your follower, whether it's Instagram, whether it's a traditional blog or YouTube or whatever it is, or podcasts. You have to give them something that they're not getting that from they're somewhere not else. getting somewhere else, yeah, or something that they're getting somewhere else, but, in but a you're different a different way. twist. And it's not that you need to. I mean, it is good to figure out your niches and what you want to talk about, but it's very hard to quantify what that is but people follow people for very different reasons and thankfully there's a huge like, I mean how many users does the likes of Instagram have that if you have a niche you will usually more often than not find your tribe you'll you'll find your people but what is really important is consistency because you can have the most amazing content you can have the most incredible photos you can have the best blog posts but if you're not consistent you're not going to grow an audience so it's 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 kind of like having that balance of doing something different uh, and that's very hard to do in this day and age because there is everyone you know Know, this it's you're hard pressed to find a topic or something that isn't covered by at least a dozen or so bloggers uh, but just doing it has to be it's kind of like your point of view I suppose because that's all we have is all we can do is offer our own unique point of view and our own unique style or our own unique way of looking at things so you offer that in the best way that you can you try and make it as you know as, as curated as you can and you try and be as consistent as yeah. you can and I think that's the best way to do it yeah and you talk about consistency and what we talk a lot, obviously, because we work in digital media. And I mean, the girls always say in the office, it's this kind of need to be on all the time. Yeah. And like, we always have to be searching for stories. Like, I am of actually course. not off my phone. Like, we are always on Instagram. Yeah. We're on like different websites. Do you feel a certain pressure to be on? Um, I suppose I do in a way uh, because... I mean, I'm someone who I, I do definitely share a lot on stories. I will chat away, but I don't share every moment of every day or every every part of my life either. Um, so we are in control of what we share and don't share. But I do feel a little bit of pressure to kind of constantly be like if I haven't created, if I haven't uploaded, let's say in a few days, I'm kind of like, OK, well, you know, um, usually I do try and be really, really consistent. But even let's say when we were filming The Fitting Room, we were filming it in Belfast. Um, uh, you know, that was very, very full on for the time that we were doing it. So it's really hard to keep up your, um, you know, content at the same time. And of course, you can't share what you're doing on social media. So you will go kind of quiet. So I'll check in and be like, oh, sorry. But that is the thing that 
social media in terms of people consuming your page or watching your stories, it is quite fickle. So it is out of sight, out of mind. So if you don't post for a few weeks or you're not up to date, people will find somebody else. And then you, it's very harsh actually, because you'll have like, especially with the algorithm now, the algorithm is a beast. They just, there's no, you can't get it. You just, there's different things that you can do to put yourself in the best position. But how it kind of works is if something doesn't perform as well, it will push you down in people's feeds. And I know people, oh my God, people give out about it so much. And I'm like, look, it's there. You just have to work around it. The algorithm basically means that you have to constantly be on top of your game. And I suppose that's a good thing because it means that the it's like the cream rising to the top. Mm-hmm. So you, if you're not posting on your stories, when you do post again, you won't be in the you know the way on, when people open their app mm-hmm. and they see like their suggested you know stories they're they're not chronologically now it's Instagram deciding what it wants to what show wants to you to based show you, on what yeah. your user history has been it's like you're fighting Instagram yeah, all the time you know but at the same time I hear people give out about it so so much and I understand it is you know there are parts of it that are frustrating but like that's the way that it works it's a free app that has made people people you know I always say to bloggers that I'm like, don't be too married to any one social media platform because Instagram could be gone tomorrow. It's very unlikely that it will because it has been around for so long and it's so connected to Facebook and sure, Facebook's, you know, it's like literally just Facebook. They're all like in together. (laughs) But at the same time, we do not own those platforms. So the likes of like my website, and I mean, I am not as consistent with updating my website. I do post a lot of my content on Instagram now, which so I'm breaking my own rule there. But at the same time, I've had that website for such a long time and the SEO is quite built up on it that even if social different social media platforms change, um, that is always there and you own that because mm-hmm. we don't own Instagram, yeah. you know, even though you can put all your time into it. And that I think sometimes I think about that and I'm like, whoo, Instagram could be gone tomorrow, you know, because all this work that's been put that's into been it. Put into it yeah. But I suppose that leads into like, and it's probably something that people are interested because people always go, oh, do you think that blogging is a future? Do you think that, you know, it will it last? You know, and Instagram could, they... God only knows, stranger things have happened. Instagram could be gone in, you know, in six months time. So what I do think is if you are somebody like I do think of myself, not so much as an Instagrammer or an influencer, but as a content creator, Mm -hmm. I just have always loved creating content on different platforms, mostly digital. So if it all changed, I and I've had to do this over the past few years of, of working in the industry. I love adopting new, mm-hmm. um, you know, new platforms. And I think being innovative and also being quite flexible and open to new technologies and all that kind of stuff is really important. Yeah. So do you think that was actually a question I was going to ask you was about the world of blogging? Because I always hear this question being thrown around that will it sustain itself? Mm-hmm. But I suppose it may sustain itself in different ways. Totally. Yeah. And do you think like you need kind of it's another thing that has come out of the whole digital world is that mm. everyone has to have a side like side hustle I'm putting quote marks but a side hustle I know what you mean so do you think that is the way it's going to go that's the way it's going to evolve like everyone will kind of start in blogging and then move on to something else or I mean it's it's definitely there's a lot of truth in that because blogging I tend to think of it just in terms of fashion and lifestyle because that's my um, view of it but you'll have people who will um, start blogs about like botany and then they will then use that to bolster a business in it I don't know why I thought of botany it could be like woodworking or like I don't know ducks or something I have no idea what kind of business but you know what I mean wooden ducks or whatever so it definitely is something that social media and however the industry changes and I'm sure it will continue to change it will never, ever go away. I think we are just digital creatures now. It's just how we consume what's going on around us. It's how we connect with people. We're just very, very digital minded now as as a culture, as a 
like world. So I don't think that that's going to necessarily change. But I do think that, as you said, like even looking at the the way that the industry has changed uh, now, I see um, PRs and brands really, really looking more at like micro influencers, looking at really looking at engagement and trying to really tailor different campaigns that they're working on to the person that is really perfect for it rather than picking the top X amount like of blast. people. And doing a blast, for sure. There's ways of doing things really, really right. And when you see a campaign that's really catered towards maybe a smaller blogger who will have half the following of another blogger, but that following will be so, so perfect for that audience. And it just, it's a beautiful thing to see when it's done well. Um, And it it can be done really, really well. I think in terms of people, like that whole thing of sponsored content and advertising, it can really be done in such a good organic way. way. Thinking about it differently. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. And then with the digital world, something that has come out of it, which is sad in a way that it kind of comes with the territory, but online negativity is a big thing. How would you deal with any online negativity? I mean, it's something that you, it's kind of unavoidable, but it will affect you as much as you let it affect you. So for me, I think my, and again, like I've been, I've been doing this for so long and I also feel like I am incredibly lucky. I think without really realising, and I'm quite careful about what I put out there, I also am quite... Um, I think sometimes in social media, stuff can be misconstrued, stuff can be taken up wrong. So I've always, I don't know, I I, I feel like I, I rarely miscommunicate what, what I want to say. So I've never had any problems with stuff like that. But I think I've been very lucky and overall I've had a good experience, but you'll always just have... They're just, it's just the way of the world. I think that there's that anonymity of social media that you'll always have somebody who just wants to say something. or And that kind of speaks to their own um, situation more than it speaks to yours. It's yeah. like that whole thing of what Susie says of Sally says more of Susie than it does of Sally. You know, yeah. so it's like, it's, 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 it's not really about you. It's kind of about them. But at the same time, uh, my, and I, I will say this to anybody, that, and anybody who's dealing with it in their personal life or in their brand or publicly, the less energy you give it, the better. Because the more energy you give it, you know, the more you grow it and the more that, because at the same time, the people who are doing it, for the most part, they want a reaction and it's validating for them. And what I always try to do is I try to be really, I try to be really aware. I try and learn from stuff like that if you can as well, because at the same time, you have to be like a business. You also have to be humble and you have to accept, Mm -hmm. you know, some criticism is constructive. Some feedback is really, really helpful. Um, But it's about, trying in a way to navigate between it and then at the same time you know you have influencers who get it so bad that you can understand that why they put a wall mm-hmm. up and they're like I don't care if it's constructive I don't want to hear yeah. it. that's their choice as well and that's yeah. okay mm-hmm. you know so I think that it's definitely something that you have to find a balance that works for your for mental you. health yeah. because I do think that this kind of world of blogging and social media just like a lot of different um, industries in the public eye or because in a way it's an, it's entertainment mm-hmm. a lot of people in the entertainment industry it can be very poor for your mental health yeah. if you don't have the right um, systems in place to protect yourself or you might not have a good support network yeah. I think the best thing that I ever did with with blogging because it's now my job is to actually kind of try and separate my e- ego mm-hmm. from it a little bit yeah. so like if a post doesn't get as many likes as I was expecting that does not affect my intrinsic no. value as yeah. a human you so know, it's like, just looking after yourself basically yeah exactly yeah. but yeah. I do think my to summarise it would just be the less energy you give it the better, the better. And, and that's what I've tried to do and it's it's worked very well for me but there's no there's no protecting there's no, yourself yeah. From and there's no rhyme or reason to it, and you just it's just part it's just part of life. And then, Kira, what is next for you? 
Oh God, I mean, I don't know. Like, who World knows? domination. A big move for me recently would have been, let's say, the likes of doing a show with RTE. Like, it's I couldn't have imagined a better project to be able to align myself with. So that was a, a big step for me. And broadcasting is something I've done in bits and pieces. I've done a lot of work with TV3 as one of their stylists over the years, which was so much fun. Um, I've even done like little bits in radio and like just, I love that whole world. So I think I will continue to do what I'm doing. Um, I'm definitely very open to new opportunities and, and trying new things. It's... I, I find I just love to be constantly challenged. Yeah. So I, I, I honestly can't tell you. I couldn't tell you what exactly I'll be doing in the next five years, but I know I'm a very hard worker and I know I'm... I, I feel like I kind of... I love a new challenge. So I'm sure... It's onwards. Do you know what and I mean? Onwards, well, I mean, that's very nice of you to say. I love doing what I'm doing. I, I've been doing it for almost 10 years and still enjoy it just as much as I did the first time I started. So, yeah, as long as I can still keep going with it, you know? Well, Kira, I think <laughs> it's, it is definitely onwards and upwards. I think oh, you will take so over sweet. the world. But I think that is a lovely way to wrap up our chat today. It was a pleasure to have you on. And I hope to see you soon. Oh, Aideen, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify.